history Don't know much biology Don't know much about a science book Don't know much about the French I took But I do know that I love you And I know that if you love Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And here we are. We're snowed in. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I was snowed out. I got, I got yeah, it. You're snowed out. Yeah. So we said in the Facebook Live video, it's like you know, Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. When, when most of us go snow, Bill goes, go, go, go. <laughs> he really, you, I mean, you really, you're into the snow. You have an all wheel drive vehicle. I have a great Subaru Forester that is amazing. And this new one actually has even a slower, slow down gear that I could, I could climb a mountain if I had to in it. Good color, by the way. Because silver, it's one of those colors that doesn't really. It's it's got well, it's, it's you don't have to clean it much. I, yeah, it's it's kind of more of a greenish. I don't know what exactly they. It's call a it. green silverish though. Yeah, yeah, it looks different, different colors. Yeah. I mean, you could not wash that for like two years. Well, I did the other day. So well, I thought, you know, I have a newer car. I should actually look like a newer car. But then, this is a rough time. It's been a rough winter to do that, too. It's been kind of a messy. And year. in the snow, I just want to say, like, Bill, look at it. He's got the vest. He's got the, did you, but you had a coat, top coat on. There's a top coat. And Bill and I have the same hat. We do. I have mine's from L.L. Bean. Where's yours from? Uh, I bought it at DSW. I think it's Eddie Bauer or Tommy Hilfiger or something. Oh, yeah, well, so it's the same. But person. I bought it. It was very discounted kind of. Yeah, now I got mine. Yeah, on the clearance. But it uh, looks a little bit, mine looks a little bit like Elmer Fudd's. It's got a little bit of that going on. It's got flappy ears. At a certain temperature, you go form <laughs> over fashion. <laughs> That's right. So I hope all of you are safe out there. And uh, yeah, we, we were to do a lecture together last night, but we got weathered out. But we will do that in two weeks. Yeah, at New Brunswick Theological Seminary. Yeah. I'm, I'm, By the way, I was on their website to check the weather things they have some fantastic pictures of the library <laughs> is the library that grand it's a, good, it's, it's a good library yeah there's two buildings they only have two buildings left <laughs> no it's a big new building where all the seminary every all the classes in the office are and then the library they sold a bunch of stuff that's part of how they have stayed on top they've sold it's right in the middle of old campus Rutgers so they sold a bunch of stuff to, to Rutgers and we're so, trying to stay afloat so see this lamp back here this bookcase <laughs> we will sell this to you we'll even ship it to you there we go I'll drive it over Bill will drive it over. Particularly if, you're in, if it's snowing where you're at, I'll, I'll be happy to drive it over. By the way, uh, we did, you know, we were on the other day and Reynolds asked us to pray or watch out, you know, and they did have some tornadoes down in outside of Atlanta, not in Alabama. Yeah. So we must have, we didn't mean to pray them towards Georgia. <laughs> but I don't think anybody Don't ask us to pray for you. Well, you can ask. You can ask. You may not just... want it. Yeah, I actually did. There was a week. And it became, it got out that I, usually when I was I had a staff, so I didn't usually I didn't usually do the hospital visits unless things are really serious, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> there was there, dying or big donor. <laughs> and, well, yeah, uh, mostly I died. No, I didn't. Uh, that was not my style. But uh, I uh, it even got to the point where sometimes I'd walk into a hospital room and people had, had this frightening look on their face. Oh my God, Bill! Oh sh- <laughs> shit! I, I go, no, I, I, was just, I was just. Can little, we can we get Bill there? <laughs> We get the youth passed. <laughs> As I was just in the neighborhood, um, but uh, there was a week where, literally, I, I I prayed for three people and they all died. Now again, they weren't serious, but it got out. You don't want Bill praying for you, <laughs> at least not that week. I had, I had a friend. I used to be in this poker league um, that was run by Howard Baker's son. Oh, blessed memory, you know Howard Baker. Nick's, and there was a Catholic guy who was. Uh, but nominally Catholic, grew up Catholic, but he was, you know, used to run several club venues kind of thing, big, you know, 
burly Italian guy. And he showed up to the poker thing and then got like, as he was pulling in on his moped, got in an accident. So we all go out and like, he knew I was a minister and everything. I said, can I, can I pray for you? He said, oh my God, it's that bad. I need <laughs> prayers. <laughs> Is it last rites? <laughs> I had someone who was coming with us. Uh, his wife went to church. He didn't, and he was like, it was, "I walked in. It was very serious." And and uh, I, he was he was coming to us. I started. I just praying for family, and, and all of a sudden, I woke up. And goes, no, no, stop. <laughs> so so I I count that as a miracle. I just need how many more do I need? I just need one more. Exactly. Three yeah, years, yeah. Yeah. We go. So all right. Read the Bon Balthazar quote. Yeah. This is was inspired by our canceled lecture, which was postponed, which we're going to record. But so this is from Hans. Urs von Balthasar. Is that Urs? How yeah. do you, in the Swiss, how do you? I don't know how to say it. Well, I don't know, I don't know anything say it about it's, that. It's, yeah, say it like you would say it in German. I don't know what Urs is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Swiss, I think. Well, I mean, what's Swiss is they're either speaking German, French, or that little kind of Latin dialect of theirs. How much of Karl Barth could just be understood if you just hung out in Switzerland? Probably very little. <laughs> A lot. Now, it's funny because well, in... Church of Max three four. He's almost a pacifist. Like and uh, three four. His ethics of creation are all about exceptions to rules. And he's like basically. I have to call myself a practical pacifist because there's almost no good reason, no justifiable, unless a republic like Switzerland were in the small project. And then Bart comes out with this whole thing about why every Christian <laughs> would have to take up arms to defend. Switzerland. That's why the cannons are mined. It's the chocolate. Are the the uh, the, the uh, tunnels are mined into the into Switzerland? But uh, of course, you know Switzerland's neutrality goes back to Zwingli. Zwingli is one of the chief because that he was one of the chief uh, uh, framers of that idea. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. He also thought Hercules was in heaven. Okay, I'm not saying all his ideas were good. Well, I mean, uh, matter of fact, usually most I'm pro Hercules. Just, just <laughs> let me just say I'm pro. All right, so here's the quote. This is from Level and is credible. And after von Balthasar talks about the church's attempt to ra- to make rational sense of the faith, which he's, I mean, he's a Roman Catholic. He's not unsympathetic to this, but right. he's talking about the limits of this. He says, neither religious philosophy nor existence can provide the criterion for the genuineness of Christianity. In philosophy, man discovers what is humanly knowable about the depths of being. In existence, man lives out what is humanly livable. But Christianity disappears the moment it allows itself to be dissolved into a transcendental precondition of human self-understanding in thinking or living, knowledge or deed. Hmm. I hear shadows of Kierkegaard before and yes. shadows of uh, Halik. Halik. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole ball of wax right yeah. there. But why don't we translate that? For First of all, it's, it's a thick quote. Um, and... Um, so let's, let's translate that. For but I think what he's saying is that whatever you think you can know, this is also one of our other phone conversations. After our last podcast, I was very like moved intellectually. I mean, I thought like I called you to talk, you know, to talk about like I my own philosophical perspectives and what I learned through just a short conversation, stuff that I probably was aware of, but mm. it, it, it came into relief in ways that were really helpful. But, you know, what what I found moving and interesting about the quote is, whether it's Aristotle or Nietzsche, Kant or Hume, what he's saying is, in philosophy, like we struggle with what's knowable Mm -hmm. without without the divine revelation of God and Christ, which is all grace. I mean, it's Mm. it's something you can't conjure up. It's something you can't make up. It's something. But, you know, then we could could go back and forth about what you could know in philosophy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you... 
but he's saying, and then in human existence, we, you know, and he's thinking about in the modern period, the turn to the self and psychology and just internal dialogue, like all these things provide a map for what it means to be human, right? And, we're, and we and we so hunger for that map. Yes. It's, I mean, we actually identify ourselves by our map of choice. What number are you on the Enneagram? What's your Four. My- <laughs> I wasn't asking. It was rhetorical. Four. <laughs> Myers-Briggs. All those things. We, ENFP. <laughs> Some of us maybe spend a little mo- too much time thinking about those maps. <laughs> <laughs> what, whatever do you mean? <laughs> Somebody I met once. <laughs> Are Some, you the little boy, Bill? Somebody, somebody you would never know. <laughs> I'm kind of, sometimes, like I'm the, my worst thing, like somebody, will, you know, somody will ask me, well, "What? What are you?" I go, "You're a two. I'm a Homo sapien." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't do well with those. But if you if you're leading with your initials or your number, that's not usually my strength to talk that way. Who leads with their initials? You mean the Myers Briggs? Have you? You've been oh, is there? that initials? That that's okay. yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, those are letters, I guess. That's what. That's why I just I use called it initials. Susan Stabile, who is like one of the best enneagram experts, she does these enneagram retreats. What's interesting is she says we have these people come in and they're from all these kinds of industries and they never say you know it's what do you do where they always well enneagram type of you and it's a weird thing because they're no. they I don't know no it's I'm not sure it's that much different from what's your sign Pisces. <laughs> I put so little in astrological stuff, but, you know. Well, anyway, but the the desire, I mean, again, and maps are helpful. We're not saying maps aren't helpful. But they're always limited. The map is not a thing. Remember Stephen Wright? Do you know comedian Stephen Wright? No. He's this guy that's very dry. He's got like, because I've got a map of the United States in my glove compartment, actual size. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. That would be hard to fold. (laughs) A friend of mine, Chris Cortana, does these weekly emails. Um, he wrote co-author this book, The Age of Discovery, but like he does these weekly emails about maps and said you have because he's in political science and thinking about technology in the future. But he's always like maps are always limited. Like they mm-hmm. they you know like you can't map the even the Earth because you'd have to have it accurately because you have to have every single space right on the map. So I mean I think von Balthasar is saying something like that there, but he, it's interesting. So you could what I really like about the quote is you could be anywhere in the philosophical map mm-hmm. and any life story, and you realize. Genuine Christianity is something other than the map or the life experience, it's and yet a, it illumines it. It's of a different different order, you know, and that, yeah, above human experience and philosophy of reasonable thought are, are, are great helps, aids, partners, handmaidens, but not the thing. I don't even like that term, handmaidens. That's so Aristotelian. But, okay, I concede. Von Walsh, I would concede it is legitimate. I think he actually, uh, yeah, he'd be... He would smile. Ah, he's not. He's kind of against the Aristotle's. Well, not against it, but he's he, well. He's reacting. He's reacting a little bit to the neo Thomist. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a neo Thomist. I feel like we could do a really good podcast. I'm a paleo Thomist on neo Thomism. If we had like a whole day to read, like John Finnis and some. I feel like we could crash course yeah. it in a day. Yeah, I think so. I think we could. Because it helps to start out with some knowledge of Thomas himself. <laughs> the thing is, though, it always sounds like like when I like Finnis. I remember like it just sounds like a lot of like like Frankenstein stuff. Like, what if we could fuse Kant and Thomas? Phenomenal, numeral. five proofs. Yeah, Mary Shelby and Opium Dim in the back. Yeah. By the way, that Frankenstein Chronicles. Have you? I've I've watched half of it. 
It's pretty awesome, right? It's pretty. It's the last episode. Your mind is going to be blown. Yeah, I I really need that right now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So, all right. So the the, all right. So we break the point of it. The point of the (laughs) (laughs) the point of what we're doing on the snow day. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcasts, projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon. Of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Sari Graham, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Blythe, David Norling, Charlotte Donlin, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless. John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Kress, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Michael Butera, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Andrew Stravitz, and Jennifer Underwood. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. I, I think this is... Uh, uh, figuring out how to think theologically is always so challenging. And I think that part of it is what do you bring to the table? And I think von Balthasar gives a great warning and permission. Mm-hmm. Like here, it, it's not wrong what you bring to the table, but here's what it, it, critical reasoning, Germans call Wissenschaft or mm-hmm. philosophy, whatever, and experience, they're, they're not, not real, but like you can't reduce Christianity to that. And then, you know, he says, he talks about like basically the only thing, love alone is credible. And what we know about love is what you find beautiful, you love. Mm. And what you know, you love, you find more beautiful, and and he basically thinks that's the only analogy, if there is any, on the creaturely side of the line between create, a creator and creature for the experience of the revelation of the love of God. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I that's uh, I, I you know I think it gets back. A good theologian is a humble theologian, and I think um, I'm the most humble theologically. I am making humility great again. I'm so humble. Here's the thing. I'm going to do a seminar on humility. We're going to get the best people, the most humble people. You know, we won't have Pence there, but we'll have uh, some very, very humble people making humility great again. (laughs) Speaking of Pence, did you see where uh, he wrote, his wife wrote a book about the their pet bunny. <laughs> John, yeah. and John Oliver wrote a gay version of it that's outselling it. That gay version of that book is beautiful. I mean, like this clips I saw, like it's pretty, it's like a secular parable of the kingdom. It's really beautiful. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So, at any rate, um, feel free of. I, I wonder if anybody will do a parody of. If we ever get this book of ours put together, someone should do a parody of. We have three books. 
We have three books that we've been talking about. Yeah, that's about as far as we've gotten. We have an outline. There was actually, there's an outline somewhere. Bill writes a hell of an outline, by the way. I tell you, he emailed me an outline that was an outline's outline. Yeah. Yep. That's about as far as we've gotten so far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think in outlines. That's part of why they... Exactly. Yeah. No, but I, I, you know, and I think like, as I was reading that quote, I was thinking about Schleiermacher and Bard and other people that... But th- there is something about Christianity that is – it makes sense of the whole picture of life. But you get into trouble when you reduce it to one of those things. Right, right. So if you reduce it to your epistemology or your political project or your own sort of vision for life, like, you know, gay rights, anti-gay rights, pro-gun, anti-gun, whenever it gets swept into mm-hmm. – now, that doesn't mean that as a Christian you don't have views on things. And your faith should inform. Form those views. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have those humbly aware of your finitude, but yet also but no, that's right there. That's the problem. We f- we forget our finitude. My finitude is so infinite. I have infinite finitude, making finitude great again. I don't know. Those those hands seem to speak <laughs> of a very small finitude. <laughs> what is your favorite Trump nickname? Asshole. No, I mean, uh, oh, what, sorry. What, what he's given other people. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I don't. Uh, uh, what did, oh, gosh, I can't even. I don't know. Mine is Sloppy Steve. Sloppy Steve. <laughs> Sloppy Steve. Because <had> <laughs> it's so like, because he was so close to Bannon. And like, he thought, like, you know what? Wait. It's like Trump got writer's block. Wait, wait. Look at the pictures. He's sloppy. He's <laughs> Sloppy Steve. <laughs> There's something about that that was such genius. Like, yeah, Sloppy I'm not, Steve. I'm not, I'm not really wanting to use the word genius in his context. And nicknaming. Though, nicknaming. So. No. Nicknaming. There we go. Creativity. There's a certain kind of creativity. There is a creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would, you know, we used to do that, like, what, in middle school? At, he would have been great at the middle school lunch table. Making the middle school lunch table great <laughs> again. Yeah, that's probably where he peaked, actually, in I mean, terms of his wit. Melania was like, you know, I know some people have a problem with me talking about bullying. Yeah. Because your husband is the cyber bully. <laughs> He's a patron saint of bullies. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not like Hillary Clinton was like, my cause is going to be um, against sexual harassment. Like, you know, like, you, like, you know you, you, just certain things you don't do. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, 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 I know. I know. And, um, yeah, she should have taken therapeutic art, but that, I guess the second yeah. lady already got that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, the finitude. Yeah. I mean, finitude and, and she this... could start a home for starving models. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great Ted talk that a model gave about being a model. And it's like, it's genius about like actually the reductiveness of, of the way we evaluate. I can't remember. What was it? It was a, uh, bad omen. It was a, it was a kind of a farce on the end of the world. And, um, but Steve Farrell, uh, Carell. No, no, it was actually a book. I can't, ba- I think it was called Bad Omens and like the four ho- apocalypse, horsemen of the apocalypse. One was a gun dealer. <laughs> and, and the other, but, uh, famine was, uh, ran a Madison Avenue fashion agency. Yeah. He's just starving them, just starving yeah. them. Yeah. And that, and that would, and that was, it was iron, it was humorous and because it was, Close to fact, yeah, yeah. Or fact, finitude. Well, I think, you know, again... Um, We're making facts great. Oh, wait, facts. We can't make them great. Fake news. <laughs> well, 
we were trying to come up with a topic, and we, we one that I suggested, we were kind of we, rightfully we didn't do because it was kind of a burned out subject. But I think you can almost every mistake <laughs> uh, that happens theologically or in Christian movements, I think, can be tied back in part by not adhering to what Van Balthazar says there. I think I think it's there's it's one of those overarching phrases that you can almost every distortion that's happened, whether it's polit- you know Christianity being Martin politics are too closely aligned to a particularly philosophical school, which has been a problem throughout the history of, of Christianity. Or um, even I was, you know, I, I did a lecture uh, last week on Pietism and Spiner. Yeah, Pietisidere. Yeah, and the and the early Pietists, I think, were in a lot of ways very right about the corrective they were trying to do, and these were not. I mean, uh, and these are people also that are bringing. I mean, there was a pietistic dimension to the early 16th century reformers that right. got lost in the scholasticism, in the orthodoxy. Right, and even, you know, and yeah, I mean, Johann Art, who was kind of one of the, I mean, he wasn't one of the pietists, but his work was very influential. I mean, he's just tapping into that a kind of stream that certainly was in Luther, that was in, you know, medieval mystical thought that goes back to the, you know, goes back to the founding of the faith, this idea of faith and praxis coming together and that, you know, faith is, you know, it's not merely what you think, it's what you do, but it's what you what what you experience, what your relationship. It's basically about relationship. The trouble with the pietism is it's it ended up because rather than being a corrective, it became a reactionary group. And also like a lot of folks at that that uh that time, and part of it is, it's happening in science, it's happening in philosophy. Uh, that period, that time period of the uh, 17th century, 18th century, you know, it's a it's a time where everybody's systematizing everything. I mean, you read, I mean, you know, I mean, if you read Jonathan Edwards without knowing some of the context, you I mean you think, oh my gosh, this guy's OCD, you know, in terms of everything, speaking about every aspect of life. But what happens is that they created a whole list of rules and things like that. That you know. Once you get away from the initial vision or the initial impetus or even the initial um, really renewed experiential faith that these folks had, then it become reductive. It's, you, know, you can see it in Methodism, and it may have become reductive even while Wesley was alive. But the initial impetus of it um, was really profound, and it was a corrective. And I Look, think you just need to call Jason Michelli. He'll tell you Methodism is alive and well and very functional. Oh, well, the functionality is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been yeah, they, no, they got functioned down. It might be the form. It might be the problem. So it's really interesting. Bruce McCormick, I think Bruce said this. Or it's the other way around. No, form function. Okay. Form function. Like he said, you know, in a lecture on Schleiermacher, he said, for Schleiermacher, revelation was a gift. And then his followers, which he never really had a true follower, they turned it into a given. I like that. His followers, which they're... they're, yeah, they, they're no, they're, he never, he didn't, he didn't have any they, disciples. I mean, he really didn't, like... You can argue Herman. I mean, even I mean, Bart may have been his only disciple, and even that relationship is so complicated. But but it's interesting when the gift becomes a given. And that was Bruce's critique that that Schleiermacher took revelation as a gift. It's grace. It's UK. And then the people that psychologized and re- reduced it, took what he saw as gift and made it a given. Oh, I think that's 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 really a that's a great way of thinking about it. Yeah, maybe isn't that a problem that we all do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think those are. Not bad snowy day reflections. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the be, snow is a gift. Be safe. Our steaming, our streaming stopped. Oh, it did. Yeah, resume. The internet connection is weak. It says. It's, well, maybe right, it's not weak. It's strong. <laughs> I think the internet connection runs it's strong true. in this family. <laughs> well, thanks, friends, and we hope you're safe. And also, yeah. I envy you in San Diego. Hmm.
Thank you. 